Welcome to the Nash Vocations Podcast. Uh, joining me today are Patrick Hill, Seth Reed, Nanso Ohanaka, and I am your host, Anthony Romeo. Today we're going to be talking about celibacy. Um, Every seminarian's favorite subject. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe we should uh, probably try to define what celibacy is before we talk about why priests are celibate. What is celibacy? That's a good question. That is a very good <laughs> question. Great question. It's, it's very hard to define. Are we looking for like a regular definition or are we looking for like an essential definition? I'm looking for any definition at all. So I think when people think celibacy, they think, okay, no sex. That's that's kind of the common term of what we would think of celibacy. Like, oh, yeah, so, so cel- you're celibate, so you don't have sex. I mean, that's the most normal one of it, but I guess for us, priestly celibacy, which is what we would want to kind of hone in on. So somebody who's smarter than me, how would you define? Why would you look at me? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> Patrick, what is no. celibacy? What's celibacy? Yeah. I mean, it's a sort of giving up. Well, not really giving up because you're choosing something. It's a renunciation not of the physical and s- emotional, spiritual aspect of marriage so that you can devote yourself fully to Christ. Yeah. So you, you got it. <laughs> there we go. I think we're, we're getting somewhere. So we, uh, uh, I think I've said before, we have that natural vocation to marriage. We are saying no to that because of a supernatural vocation placed on top of that to priesthood. To be celibate would mean that you could be married, but you're saying no to that. You are an unmarried man for the sake of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. We feel comfortable with that? Yeah. We're going to make a promise to celibacy. Yes. So what does that mean? We're going to, for the rest of our lives, I mean forever, to renounce um, for the sake of the kingdom the idea of being married. We will be unmarried for the rest of our lives. Yes. Um, We offer that up. And I think that I've I've heard so much about celibacy. It's just kind of all just moshed together. So I just hope that nobody ever asks me about it. But I think if I had to, like, talk about it, um, Which I we know do. <laughs> have to do. I think that some of the priest friends that I have have said things like, you know, I, I really don't like the concept and the idea behind, um, you know, people say, oh, well, priests are married to the church. Well, they're not, right? Christ is the bridegroom. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not. We, we, we don't have a wife, right? It, it is a sacrifice, um, and I know living with priests, uh, as we have on summer assignments and living in the parishes, you get to see, and I think it's what really opened my eyes to it, when you see, you know, your pastor, you know, he works all day, he does all this stuff, and then he comes home and, you know, there's, there's no wife, there's no family, right? You would almost expect that it's not there. And that's that part of the, the sacrifice, because mm-hmm. we, as men, are going to desire intimacy with women, period. It doesn't magically go away when we become priests. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be really nice. If it did. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be really nice if it went away when you entered seminary. That'd be right. awesome, <laughs> right? But it's still going to be there. Yeah. We're still going to want that, and and we have to every day remember that promise um, that we take to celibacy and say, "Hey, we're doing this not just for ourselves, for our own purity, but for the sake of the kingdom." It's it's a it, we're offering that to the Lord. It is a sacrifice, and I think that's why my priest buddy's like, I don't like it when they say I'm married to the church, because I'm not. I don't have a wife, and that sucks, right? 
And, and that's why it's a sacrifice, because you should want that. It's your natural vocation. Yeah, that's, that's good. That was good. The one thing I, I think about celibacy is like, you know, we're not having our, like an earthly, we're not going to be an earthly father. We're going to be a spiritual father. So mm-hmm. part of celibacy allows that ability to be a father, a spiritual father, to all those that are in your parish. So, you know, you could have your family, it could be thousands of people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's just awesome. I mean, it would be hard to balance. I mean, it's possible, um, but it would be hard to balance that, you know, being a father, being present in everyone's lives, you know, for one group of people, um, and then and then also for your 999 other people. It's going to be hard to do that compared to earthly fatherhood. You know, it's just, you know, you get your family. You deal with that family. You deal, you're there for everything. All the birthdays, all the sad moments, and all the, everything. But as a priest, you're there for your life's greatest moments and life's uh, most saddest moments too. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. the one thing I too I like about celibacy. Right, because as a married man, to take a to take that vow, right, you have that specific love to one woman, right, and you love that woman, and and your job is to get her to heaven, and you, and, and procreate, and then educate your children raise them in the faith, et cetera, et cetera. As a celibate man, as a priest, we don't have that specific love. We have that more wide, general, broad love that we're supposed to, um, in, in wielding the sacraments, right, we call others to, to holiness and, and we channel God's mercy through yeah. those sacraments. And that's how we work out our salvation. But it's more broad love. And also lead the others, lead the, your parishioners to salvation too you're right you're the shepherd for them right to lead them as well exactly so, yeah. so, so there's a practical aspect of celibacy too because if you've got a family you're going to be dealing with your family all the time right but if you don't have a family which priests don't in most circumstances then you can devote yourself completely to your flock i think that's why historically um the church has always required uh, celibacy of its bishops mm-hmm. it's like even in the eastern riots and eastern orthodox if you're going to be a bishop, you have to be celibate. Like, if you right. have a wife, you can't, like, you just right. say you don't want to be a bishop. Because it would be really hard to imagine if you were a priest and you were married and your kid's dying, but then a parishioner calls you and says, hey, my kid's dying. Like, you as a biological father are going to want to be with your kid. Right. right. You're not going to want to go and help this other family when your kid's dying. Right. So, that, I mean, the church is smart in that she has established celibacy as a uh, – it's not a, uh, what, what would we call it? It's uh, a practice within the Latin rite. It's not necessarily, because Pope, Pope Francis or any Pope could change it, but it's been a practice for so long that it shouldn't right. be. I mean, even Jesus Christ himself was celibate. Right, yeah, and it, and it, and it more reflects what heaven would be like, mm-hmm. right, because we're not going to be married yep. in heaven. When you take that vow in, in matrimony, it's until death do you part. You're not going to be married to your spouse in heaven because... There wouldn't be, you know, you're with God. God fulfills everything. So what would be the worst part about celibacy then? If this is a if this is a promise that we're gonna take, what would be something that, you know, man, I don't want to be celibate because X. I think when we think about celibacy, when we first go to seminary or anybody in general, we always think, like I said earlier, oh, it's just no sex. But as you go into seminary and as you find out more about what it actually is and that you're doing it for the salvation of souls because it is a sacrifice, you go, okay, so it's not just the physical thing. It's also an intimacy thing, too. 
So one of the worst parts about celibacy would be you don't have that intimate relationship with another person. Like ideally, a husband and wife are best friends. They know each other inside and out. They can finish each other's sentences. They can tell each other jokes that only they understand. Like there's a deep, intimate bond that is there that is a celibate you will never have with another living human being. It's true. And that's the worst part about it. (laughs) But we, as men discerning to be priests, we know that we do have an intimate bond, not on that level, but we have it with Christ. Christ already knows us to our core. He knows every fabric of our being. And when we go and pray and we do our holy hour, our job is to get to know him as much as he knows us. So, yeah, we won't ever be able to come home to the loving wife and have her embrace us after we've had a really bad day. But we can go back to our rectories or go to the church, and we can sit down and be with Christ in the silence and listen to him and tell him our problems because that's what we're supposed to do as men who are going to be priests. We're supposed to give all of our problems to Christ and let him be our intimate friend, because that's ideally what he should be, not just for us, but for everybody in the entire world. But yeah, that would be the worst part. It's not having that physical, that mental, that just connection that a wife and husband have. And I think a result, another result of that uh, lack of intimacy is loneliness. Mm -hmm. Um, Loneliness is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, Information, like I've been told lots of times, Loneliness is not bad, but a lot of times it's when you, you, because you're alone and you don't necessarily, that's the person you can be intimate with, sometimes it can, it's really easy to fall into a trap of not being able to deal with that loneliness. And that's, that's where, as a priest, you can get into a lot of trouble, especially if you let your prayer life go. Because, I mean, because, uh, yeah, Christ is where we get that intimacy from. And if you're not, if you, if you're not plugged into him, my goodness, it's going to be a long long road as a priest. And that's one of the beautiful things, too, about the Liturgy of the Hours that some of us just got through praying before we started this podcast is that it's a daily reminder of to enter into that relationship with Christ and say you can't make your holy hour for whatever reason. You're too busy, whatever. You still have to do the Liturgy of the Hours. You're still there. You're still going back to Christ in those moments. And it can remind you, okay, I can't do a full hour. I can't do 15 minutes. I can only do five. So after my daily uh, daytime prayer or evening prayer, I'll just sit in the silence with Christ and say, like, man, today was crappy. Like, it was, it sucked. Or, man, today, Jesus, it was awesome. Like, it was great. And you just take that time that you have and you just, you talk to him. I think that's why it can be so dangerous sometimes in reference to loneliness, like you talked about, because if you don't have Christ, you know, like you said, you don't have that physical, um, intimate connection with somebody that you can go home to. Uh, that's why it's so necessary to have Christ, because if you don't have that and you're experiencing loneliness, I find that that is a very deadly recipe for disaster, because then you're going to go look for intimacy in, in the wrong ways and in the wrong places, right? And and you will find something where that that will satisfy you, but it'll be the wrong thing, right? Christ is the answer. And I think that the thing that has helped me the most with celibacy is thinking of it as sacrifice. Um, yes, it's something that from, um, you know, like the cross, like the cross, all great graces flow from the cross, right? And the cross points to the resurrection. So it is a grace to be sort of satisfied and happy, and God's going to give us what we need um, because he never stretches us outside of what we can do. So if we truly are called to be priests and we take that uh, promise to celibacy, we don't ever have to think, I can't do this. Because by that promise, 
um, of celibacy and, and saying yes to priesthood, even, even if you weren't called to be a priest and you became a priest, God's going to give you the grace necessary in order to function and live and be happy as a priest. Um, so I think that one of the dangers is, is some, you know, I, I don't know how much this happens, but just generally speaking, a priest becomes lonely, right? Um, he, he, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't turn to the Lord. He might not have enough friendships, whatever it might be. And he thinks to himself, oh, you know what? I made a mistake. I wasn't supposed to be a priest, right? And that's, that's wrong, right? That, that whole idea is wrong. Because even if, even if you weren't called to be a priest, you're going to have sufficient grace, right? The Lord is going to provide, Deus providevit, the motto of Notre Dame Seminary. <laughs> <laughs> and Anthony, you brought up a, a really important point just there, that friendship. Like, how does a celibate sustain his celibacy? He sustains it with Christ, yes, but you still, as a human being, we have to interact with other human beings because we're social creatures, and you have to have friends, priest friends. You have to have married friends. You have to have friends that you can just go and hang out with. And, I mean, I've been taught in seminary you're supposed to have women friends too, but, of course, that's friends. a recent, that, that's that, a recent friends. thing. Yeah. Friends. <laughs> that's a yeah. recent women thing. friends, not yes. girlfriends, but women friends. And that's a tricky thing because, like, if you and a woman go out, to dinner or lunch, it's like, oh, they're dating. And then you're in your right. clericals, that's going to be scandalous. So, oh, right. so how do you enter that relationship? It's well, it's tough, yeah. But if you have a married woman friend and her husband's always with her. That's much better. It's perfect. much better. It's perfect. Yeah, it's much better. And even, even, I mean, most secretaries that we will have if we become priests are going to be women. So you just pop into your secretary like, hey, man, what's up? Like, what's going on? Like, tell me about your weekend. Right. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. How are the kids? Great. All right. I'm going to go do my priest stuff. You, <laughs> you do your stuff. I'll be back later to fill out this baptismal thing I have to fill out. <laughs> and as a priest, you're going to be required to, to, to not only talk to women, but to enter into like really intimate parts of their life, like in confession and stuff like that, you know. Spiritual it, direction too. Spiritual direction, where exactly. Tension, where emotions are high. Right. Oh, yeah. Like you, we, we need good, authentic, beautiful relationships, chaste, you know, everything like it needs, but with women too, not just with men, because it's going to be half of our parish. Yeah. More than half, most likely. Probably more than half, right. I mean, women are an important part of the church. I mean, just look at Mary. (laughs) Right. And you have to have that relationship, and you have to be able to navigate the ins and outs of it and be like, all right, maybe I'm getting too close, and I need to step back. and Or maybe I'm not getting close enough, and I I need to reach out to this person. Mm -hmm. And that could be with – it doesn't even have to be just with a woman. It can be with a man because there are some people who are closed off from their own emotions, and you as the priest, you might have to break through that wall, whether it's in confession or just – in spiritual direction, or even just walking up to him after mass, like I see that you're not like really doing well today. Like, are you are you okay? You got bags on your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think celibacy it does open us up to our emotions. Like, first of all, our own emotions, but it also helps us be open to other people's emotions and be able to uh, to help them in that way. But I think on the other hand, um, boundaries like that's a really big thing, and that's and honestly, if you want to pursue celibacy, that's one of the things we have to learn and things that we work on in seminary is boundaries, not just with women, but also with other men. You have Mm -hmm. to figure out what are respectable ways to deal with people and deal with myself. And I mean, uh, even in our culture today, we see see it like with the Me Too movement because a lot of these things are just are boundary violations where people Mm -hmm. just don't understand that dynamic and don't realize I'm overstepping what my role is 
and this people of, as, pre, as priests will be in positions of power and it becomes all the more easier to violate boundaries and be, on the other hand, it becomes all the more important for us to keep those boundaries. And I think being celibate helps us be more aware of that. And, and the promise too is there to help you in those boundaries because it's like, all right, I took this promise of right. celibacy to God. Right. So I, I, I know that I can't enter into certain types of relationships right. and I shouldn't be in certain types of places with certain types of people. So. Right. And again, this doesn't mean that you're not going to fall in love as a priest. Right. That very well may happen. Yes. Right. Because Even as a seminarian. <laughs> right. Because, because we're men, mm-hmm. right? And that is a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no magic wand, uh, no promise that's going to be like, all right, this desire that you've had your entire life, it's gone. Forget about it. You can just be a celibate man, no problems, right? And that was something that was stressed to us in our first year of formation at St. Joseph's is that if you don't have a desire to get married, then you shouldn't be a priest yeah. mm-hmm. right? because it has to be a sacrifice. And if it's not a sacrifice, you're not doing anybody any favors. Yeah. Now, do we want to talk about the, um, you know, so we've kind of talked about celibacy. How is that different from chastity? Everybody's called to chastity, not everybody's called to celibacy. What do you mean by that, uh, <laughs> sir? <laughs> I mean, because even within even within marriage, uh, the spouses is called to be chaste with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most obvious way, like, don't commit adultery. <laughs> Something beautiful I always found in marriage is that uh, when you when you take that vow, because it is a vow, not, we take promises, they take vows. Um, you know, you have bodily rights to your spouse, and they have bodily rights to you. And I think that that's really beautiful because just as you're trying to get your spouse to heaven, they're trying to get you to heaven. And so, it, like like we've talked about, it's this very intimate union. Um, but it also, like with a marriage it has to have Christ at the center. A, a celibate man will fail if he does not have Christ at the center of him saying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm trying my best here. I need help, right? Because if, if, our, if everybody's destiny is to, is to be in heaven, well, that, that's a supernatural thing, right? So we need supernatural means to get there. We need grace. And so asking for the Lord's grace every day, daily, hey, I know I took this promise, or hey, I know I took this vow, because I, I know some of, you, some of you have probably talked to married couples, and it's tough. It's really tough. Um, it's tough to be faithful. It's, it's a temptation. Just as the priest sees a beautiful woman, is like, man, you know, I wish I could X, Y, and Z. So, so too for the, for the married man. It's, it's difficult. It's not like uh, you, know, you take a vow to, in matrimony and, and things go away, right? Um, so it's, a, it's an everyday battle to where you have to be faithful. What about the best part of celibacy? We talked about the worst. Did we talk about the best already or no? No, we haven't talked about the best. What's the best part of celibacy? <laughs> what, what, what can we say positively about celibacy? You get a bed by to yourself, <laughs> all the covers. You get to sleep by yourself. Yeah, get all the covers. Set your temperature. Yeah. There's no morning breath to greet you when you wake up. <laughs> <laughs> These are things I've heard from priests. <laughs> <laughs> It's also, too, the freedom that comes with celibacy. I mean, there's the practical freedom, and then there's the spiritual freedom. Like, yeah, maybe you have a really crappy day, and you're the type of person who doesn't want to talk to anybody after a crappy day, so you just come home, and there ain't nobody there, and it's great. It's awesome. It's just silent. You with other priests. Cut on TV and watch it. But An introvert's also, dream. Yeah. But then also, too, there's the, uh, the freedom of, like, okay, I, I, I know I'm a celibate. Like, great. I don't have to look for a wife. 
I don't have to do any of that. And I can focus on saving the souls of my parishioners and saving my own soul. And I don't have to worry about anything else besides getting those people to heaven and getting myself to heaven. Right. Now, that's really damn hard. Right. But it's, there's a freedom in knowing that. It's like, all right, I don't have to worry about my kid going out and doing crack or whatever <laughs> whatever <laughs> they may do. But, it's like, I just worry about my parishioners and saving their souls. Like, I ain't got to worry about my kid doing all this other crap. I just got to worry about, like, her kid and his kid. But, like, I'm distant from that relationship. Like, my job is to get them to heaven and be with Jesus. Right. It's so, not to so raise them to be responsible adults. You are concerned. It's just it's it's in a different right. Way. Exactly. Right. You're you know as a pastor, I'm sure you guys have talked about this in seminary, but you have responsibility for all the souls in, mm-hmm. in your parish boundaries. Right. Yep. Yes. As bishop, you would have responsibility in all the souls of your diocese. The Pope has responsibility for everybody's souls in the world, and this is Catholic or non-Catholic. Right. This is everybody. Um, it, it falls on you. Um, and so the minute you say, someone comes to you and says, hey, Father, you know, can you hear my confession? And you say, uh, I got dinner reservations. Sorry. Their sin is now, it's on you, right? So the, this is very, I mean, that, if there's something that should keep you up at night, that's, that's something I think about. How can I, as a pastor, as a future pastor, reach every soul in my parish boundary, right? And celibacy, to your point, Seth, allows us to do that. All right, because if we had, because you're more free, right, in that sense. And yeah, because it is a sacrifice. It's sort of teaching us to not be selfish, because I, because especially in our hypersexualized culture, we, it is a very inward me, me, me. What do I get out of this? But because we're celibate, it opens us up to the other, and yeah, it does help us be able to reach out to everybody within our parish boundaries. Because I know thinking about it, it's like sometimes I think it's like Man, I don't really want to care about those people, like. It's like it's up to them what they want to do with their lives. Uh-huh. Like I, I can't convert them. But as a celibate, it's all. And as a pastor, we're supposed to ma- try to make Christ available to them. Right. And because you don't have other things to worry about, such as a family to take care of, we can we can be free to do this and pursue this on our own. Yeah, I mean that's what that's kind of what I kind of alluded alluded to. The first of it was uh, being a spiritual father to everyone. Is this you're part of their lives? You know you're. You're free to do that. Is there a way to know if you're called to celibacy? Through formation. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the easiest answer is that you go to... Because when you go to seminary, you're discerning the priesthood, but but you're also discerning celibacy. Like, like that's the main, one of the yes. main things that you are right. discerning is right. celibacy. Right. You're discerning celibacy and obedience, and through your discernment of celibacy and obedience, you then come to realize, yeah, I could be a priest, or no, I, there's no way I could be a priest. Right. Yeah, one of my canon law textbooks, uh, the author had like just this huge section on discerning celibacy outside of the priesthood. He's, he, because he said, basically, there are two different vocations. There's a priesthood and there's a celibacy. You need to figure out if you're called to the celibacy. Like that is, like, because on, in a way, it, it, it might be more important than discerning if you're called to the priesthood. Because I mean, even, because even within the consecrated single life, they're also called to celibacy. They take that, they take that uh, vow or promise of celibacy. And so if you realize in your discernment that I can't do the celibate thing, but I still want to be a priest, well, you're probably not called to be a priest. <laughs> it's also important, too, because say you do discern, oh, yeah, I definitely can be a celibate, but I don't want to be a priest. Well, that's when you go start researching religious orders, because if you feel 100% that you're called to celibacy and you're not called to marriage, where the other other vocation is religious order, is yeah. to Take vows and join Benedictines or Jesuits or whoever Dominicans. suits your. <laughs> <laughs> Dominicans. 
Shout out to the Nashville Dominicans. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I do want to make a distinction. Um, I've talked to some like young, younger guys in the past, and they're like, oh, well, I think I'm called to be a priest because I really don't see myself being married. It's like, oh, uh, that's Red not flag. right. That's a, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an issue because we need like normal guys. Like you mm-hmm. want someone that feels called to be married life. And again, going back to that sacrifice aspect of it, that's going to give that up for the sake of the kingdom, right? It's not much of a sacrifice if you never saw yourself getting married anyway and, and de facto default of, oh, well, I'm just going to be a priest then, right? Like that's, that's an issue. There's something that you need to search within yourself and, and think, why don't I feel called to married life? Because that's the natural vocation that we all have. And I think that's part of the reason why God, God doesn't just zap us when we take the vow of, right. of celibacy, the promise of celibacy, and say, okay, now I don't feel those emotions anymore. Because, I mean, honestly, those emotions also help us, like, in our ministries. As long as you channel, channel them properly. Yeah. Um, th- because those emotions are what help, help move us outside of ourselves to be able to care for the other. Right. Yeah, and, and uh, all, I think also something in error would be, um, oh, well... I, uh, you know, I, I can't be a priest because, you know, I, I'm really attracted to women and, uh, you know, I, I want to have mind. kids. <laughs> it's like, okay, s- so do I, you know, like I would love to have kids. You know, I w- I'm attracted to women, like join the club, right? It doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean you're called to priesthood. And I think the first question that you have to answer, um, because I know, and this is something that uh, Father Wayner, my rector, talks about a lot, is he says, people come to me and they, they do the little seminarian interview and he says, um, you know, guys come to me saying, oh, Father, you know, I'm, I'm, called to, I'm called to priesthood, so I want to enter seminary. You can't know if you're called to priesthood outside of seminary. That's impossible. You have to first answer that question, am I called to seminary, right? Is God leading me in my prayer life, in my heart, this way to take this step? It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a priest, and that's okay, because the formation you'll get there is awesome. And you'll get a you'll get a, a strong prayer life. You'll have a substantial amount of respect for priests and see how, how they operate and the amount of work that they do for us, et cetera, et cetera. There's nothing wrong about discerning out of seminary, and there's nothing wrong with taking that first step to say, "I want to enter seminary." Yeah, that that's important. It's like, yeah, you you can discern out. You know, it, it is okay because we need holy men. Right. Uh, we need holy husbands. Holy families. You gotta have a holy family. Right. I mean, because I mean. If you look at statistics, I mean, it's mostly women that are very, uh, very good at going to church. But then the men, like in college age, they tend to fall off just because that's the world. Um, but you know, by going to seminary, some of the best husbands are going to be ex-seminarians, guys that were going sure. to be priests. Because sure. one, they have that desire to be a father, to want yes. to be a spiritual father. But now they're going to have that have a focus to be a father just for that family, God willing. You know, whenever yeah. that happens. But yeah, I mean, if if. If you have that desire of, you know, I wonder if God's calling me to be a priest, that answer is only going to be found in seminary, period. So if you want to know the answer to that question, you've got to take those initial steps, whatever that might be, just a, just starting conversations. And the good news about it is that if God wants you to enter seminary, doors are just going to open for you, right? It's going to work out. And, um, it, and, and if not, then, you know, God will make it abundantly clear to you, like, in your prayer life, like, hey, this is not for you. You know, you're, I want you to be married, et cetera, et cetera. You know, discernment is a long process. Yes. But finding out whether God's calling you to be a priest or not, 
is a worthwhile endeavor. That's why discernment takes six to eight ten years. years. <laughs> ten years for me. Depending yeah, on yeah. if you have a pastoral right. year. Depends on what country you live in. And what country you live in. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Or Jesuits take 12. Yeah. Right. Well, one thing, I, one thing I've learned about celibacy in uh, formation, one of my formators, well, it was not, he wasn't really a formator, but he gave a talk on celibacy, and he compared it with uh, superheroes. So, for example, Spider-Man. He basically said superheroes are all celibates. They may not be continent, but they're all celibate. Um, because if you look at them, like Spider-Man, he never, I mean, he has girlfriends, but it never lasts long. And that's because of the commitment that he has to saving other people. I mean, he has a desire for one person, but it sometimes gets in the way of a wider call for not just that one person, but for all of New York in the case of Spider-Man or, how, or, or Queens, wherever he is. Uh, I'd only know Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. That's the only one I know. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like in the comics in general. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Oh, so just you're a, just you're, the character of Spider-Man. You're, so you're a real nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Spider-Man, he's he's a great he's a great figure. And I mean, like you look at Captain America in the movies, Chris Evans Captain America. He had one girl from the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he never got over her. <laughs> yeah, he well, he never got over her. And they didn't date until the last well, this is spoilers for Endgame if you haven't seen uh, uh, <laughs> Avengers oh Endgame. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I mean, the movie came out what? A year ago, 2 years ago, something Man, like that. And there are people who don't want to spoil 60-year-old movies, not so. <laughs> well, yeah. how does gone with the wind end? <laughs> well, just skip ahead a couple of uh, seconds, but like he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't get with her until like after he retires, like he's an old man or whatever. Mm. And so that's, I mean, that's sort of like with the priesthood, where as long as we live in this call to be these superheroes in a way, we give ourselves completely to the people of God and forsake what our own desires. Yeah, and as we talked about, like. Um you know, like that example too, like you're going to want intimacy, right? And it's okay to be like, man, this sucks, right? Yeah. This is a this is a big ask. This is a big sacrifice because being married sounds great, right? Now, of course, um, you know, we, we can think about it from the abstract and be like, oh, well, uh, I would love to have a loving wife and great children that do what I say and so on and so forth. But I'm sure in it, it's probably like, I'm sure there's a lot of married men that are like, Man, I would love to be a priest, right? <laughs> That's something that one of our formators used to tell us is you're sitting in your room on a Friday night at 9 o'clock and you're watching Netflix and you're thinking about the best possibilities of marriage life right. when you're not thinking about the worst possibilities of married right. life. And you're thinking about the worst possibilities of celibacy when you're not thinking about the best possibilities of celibacy. So when you're in your room, if you join seminary and you join the Diocese of Nashville and you're in your room at 9 o'clock on a Friday night, think about the best part of celibacy and the worst part of marriage. Right. You can be lonely and feel those. That Those, those are emotions, right? You can be sad, right? But And happiness, too. It's just it's an emotion. It comes and it goes. Yep. But joy, joy is a posture, right? We can be joyful as celibate men, as celibate priests, even in the, asp- even in the idea of, man, I, I don't have a wife and I don't have a kids and I, and I really want those things. You can still be joyful in not having because when you reflect uh, back to the sacrifice, St. Teresa of Avila says sacrifice is an invitation to a deeper love with the Lord. When, when we are suffering, right, that's, that's when we are coming closer to the Lord. As long as we uh, can use that, celibus, I'm sorry, use that suffering and channel that back into the sacramental life that we could give to our parish. Like we're, we're upset. We need Christ. We need um, 
you know, we were looking for intimacy, channel that back in to what you were called to do. You're called to be a priest. You're called to, 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 to wield the sacraments and, and give that to your parish. So channel all of that emotion back into the sacramental life. And that, I think that's a necessary part of it. And I think that's why hearing confessions specifically, and I've, I've heard this from multiple priest friends of mine, they say, that's really what, I mean, all the sacraments, sure, but something specific about confession that they're like, wow, these, these parishioners of mine, these, these people that are, are confessing their sins, they're trying so hard to live a good life, and they're being so authentic and honest in this confession. And it says it makes them reflect on themselves. I need to do better, right? I need to go to confession. I need to live this life that they're, that they're living in just complete openness to the Lord. And so I think it's, 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 um, it's channeling it back into that sacramental life of priesthood that we're called, that we're called to be. How do you deal with falling in love as a seminarian? How's everybody looking at me? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, th- I think it's something that is normal. And I, 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 so I, you've I, fallen in love before. Well, if I didn't fall in love. <laughs> Look, man, this is I'll, a confession. <laughs> like if I if I hadn't fa- if I haven't ever fallen in love, I don't think I'll be here today. That's 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 a good um, point. But so there's a movie that I watched as part of my formation. Like we sat in class and our formator played it for us. It's an Edward Edward Norton movie. It's like the first film he directed. Um, he plays a Catholic priest, but and he falls in love with like his best friend from childhood, uh, this uh, woman. And by the end of the movie, he's talk, He's an associate and talks with the pastor who, throughout the movie, he's just sort of dismissed. Like, he didn't really care about the guy. He didn't, he didn't really take a, he, he didn't really, he didn't really get along with him. But by the end of the movie, finally, he sits down and asks, like, it's like, have you ever fallen in love? And the priest said, yes, at least once every 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so, so it was like, so what, how, what do you do? <laughs> he's just like, yeah, I mean, you, like, you're going to fall in love. And that's, it's good. It's good. I think it's good as seminarians to know that going in, mm-hmm. because yeah, we did talk about it. like sometimes we just we sort of want these emotions and these feelings to go away. But on the other hand, th- th- they do help us. But when you do fall in love, like like what I've heard from different places is, when you never let the, if you fall in love with the woman, you never let her know that. <laughs> that's, that's a bad that's idea. Good, that's good advice. <laughs> that is a bad idea, especially if she likes you too. That's not. That never ends well. Um, but you talk with your spiritual director. You talk with a you talk with a close friend, so that way they are aware of these things. And like I mean, so you search for intimacy, just not with the woman that you're in love with. You search for intimacy with yeah, that your spiritual director with friends, with and Jesus, with Jesus. With Jesus yeah, that's you, a good you, one. you bring you bring all of these things to those avenues. So one, at least they're helping keep you accountable. Yeah. Um, because I think that's the other thing. That's the danger, um, when you're not embracing celibacy in the right way. Uh, you tend we we can tend to bottle all of these things up and hold them inside ourselves, and when we keep them in, they explode in negative ways. Mm-hmm. But so when you bring you so bring these things up to yeah your friend, your spiritual director, Jesus, and if you see that and like if you're still falling more in love with it, you talk to your bishop, have your bishop move you. It's like look, yeah. I need to get out of this place because honestly, that especially if it's somebody that you work with. You need to get out of that situation because if you're it's, it's, if you're in close contact with them, there's no other way to fall out of love than to not be around that person. Like and, and, when, and when you remove yourself from the situation, you have to remove yourself completely. Right, distance is the best cure for 
love. Yeah. Yeah, because because if you leave physically, but you guys are still like talking or yeah, texting. Yeah, that does no good. I thought distance makes the heart grow fonder. That's what it does. <laughs> if you guys are still in contact with the uh, distance, that's when it makes the heart grow fonder. You gotta fonder. know yourself and you gotta know your limits. Yeah. And I think you said yeah. it right with accountability because I think there's nothing more dangerous than that idea of a lone wolf priest or even a lone wolf seminarian. Hey, this guy doesn't talk to anybody. This guy keeps to himself. You know, if you're not disclosing anything and you got this woman, you know, talking to you, what are you gonna do? You're, you're probably gonna fall because you don't have anybody helping you out. You can't do it yourself. At least I can't, and I know that about myself. That's why friends are so important, and it's so important to have seminarian friends. Like, mm-hmm. you can still have your friends outside of, out of your seminarian group, but you need to have your seminarian friends because they're fighting the same fight that you're fighting. Right. And you need to have priest friends, too, because they fought the fight, and right. they continue to fight the fight every yeah. day. I mean, my ex-girlfriend, I mean, my last name's Romeo, you know? You think about how I feel. <laughs> Romeo, Romeo. Yeah, the last girlfriend I had, she said, oh, happy dagger, this is thy sheath. And then she broke up with me. <laughs> I think it's also important about setting up the boundaries that we had talked about, too, those boundaries. You get, you know, you got to have appropriate boundaries. You know, we are going to be God-willing priests, you know, so we got to have that that idea of ourselves. It's like, okay, we, we are Jesus, you know, we're representing Jesus in these moments, so we got to have these uh, these boundaries. You know, we can't just be texting this girl or the wife of this parishioner or whatever, you know. Then one, you're going to have an angry husband. Um, right. And then that, that's that's more trouble. Right. Um, but, yeah, that's all about the boundaries and also about the, the relationships uh, with your brother priests and uh, other seminarians even, too. I mean, because a lot of priests talk to you because you mentioned that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of your priest friends and stuff, yeah. Well, when yeah. you're in seminary 10 yeah. years, you know, your whole class has been ordained <laughs> a couple of times over. <laughs> but, yeah, I think regardless of how virtuous you are, it, it, you know, you can be a very virtuous man, but it could be a lack of prudence, even, even just with optics. If you're going out to the movies at 9 o'clock at night with a girl and, you know, you link arms or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, they, that's just... You could you could not have a sexual you know intention in your in your brain for this woman, and you could truly see her as a friend. But optics wise and prudence wise, you know something could stem from that. Yeah, that it you is still expect. a yeah. it's still it is still a violation of the boundaries. Right. Because I mean, yeah, we are priests, and in our dealing with other people, we need to show, hey, I'm living a celibate life. And on the other hand, we should expect them to treat us as celibates. And so um, one of the monks, the one that showed us the movie and talked to us about like about priests being superheroes he talked he said like he gave us an example he, like he had a friend that he's been friends with for years and he had gone out with her and her husband to a mall and like he was in lay clothes like he wasn't even dressed as a he wasn't even dressed as a monk but like she linked arms with him uh, and then he realized like wait a minute this isn't appropriate and so like he so like he so, like, so he talked to her and so it was just like being a, being mindful of those boundaries, like and even even in the most innocent things, yeah. still being aware of that, because yeah, it protects us, but it also protects the people that we minister to. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me, talking about celibacy. I know it's a uh, it's a more difficult topic, but something that needs to be explained. And um, join us next time on the Nash Vocations podcast. <laughs>